Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom, and this was one of my favorite pitches ever. And uh, I was so happy to be able to interview them. This is uh, Shira and Michael, uh, season 12, episode 12, air date of February 5th, 2021, um, Nightcap. And Nightcap is a drink cover scrunchie. You wrap it around your wrist or in your hair. It just looks like a women's scrunchie, but it covers a drink and still allows you to drink it, but it prevents someone from dropping something in your drink. And I know it's an issue on college campuses. It's an, it's an issue at music festivals and some of these places. And so when they came on with this idea and you know, younger entrepreneurs and doing it for the right reasons and the problem it solved, I just I was like, that. that's one of my favorite pitches of all time. So really, really enjoyed uh, talking to them and, and getting to know them. So let's get to the numbers here. They came in asking $60,000 for 20% of the business. Um, they're young. And they came up with this idea uh, because her friend um, had something happen and then she had this dream of this product and she made the, made the prototype herself. So how cool is that, right? 98% um, of the customers are women, 70% of them are between 18 to 24 years old, uh, retails at $11.99, um, they make it at $2.82, but believe they could get it down to $1.60. Um, had been in business for 11 months, had $68,000 of sales, 40,000 of which was in the last six weeks. And they broke down the funding, 18,000 from parents, 12,000 from Indiegogo, and 50,000 from a pitch competition they won. So just gritty um, stuff here. Uh, had a utility patent, which was a wearable um, drink spiking prevention device. So that was their, that was their patent. Um, they got a deal, Lori, 60,000 for 25%. So they got their deal with uh, Lori. Uh, again, you're gonna love this interview. A lot of great lessons here. Great to hear what's happened since it aired. And uh, afterwards, we'll talk about some of the key lessons we learned. Well, welcome to Outside the Tank and uh, very excited to speak to both of you and uh, hear about your Shark Tank journey and, and everything that's happened since. Um, you covered some of this on your episode, but I want to hear kind of the longer version of it. Tell us about where the idea for the product came from, how you developed the prototype, how long it took you to say, hey, there's actually a business here and we want to run with it. Um, love to hear the long, long version of the story. Yeah, so um, I'm currently 1916. I had a friend who went off to college and had her drink spiked at the bar. So a couple of weeks later, I ended up going to sleep and I say that I slept on it because I literally thought of the idea nightcap in a dream. And when I woke up, I went straight to my dad and I was like, this is, this is my idea, like, what do you think? And I went upstairs to get some of my mom's pantyhose, cut them up with a little scrunchie from my room and created the first prototype um, that morning. So we sat down and I like drew it out for him. I actually created it. And um, Michael wasn't even home at the time. And I was just 16 with this idea that could potentially save a lot of lives. So um, we 
we filed for a provisional patent, um, found a seamstress to start creating the next couple prototypes, um, found a graphic designer to create some of the first logos. And then Michael came home from school and he was like, what is this? Uh, this is a good idea. Yeah, so I, I, um, I came home from uh, college for the summer and uh, you know I saw her little prototype sitting on the dining room table um, and I started thinking about like, you know, this is such a big problem on college campuses. I had been in college for the last four years and I'd heard about it happening so much. Um, and I was like, why has nothing been created that anyone uses to help prevent this? Um, and three things came to mind. The first thing was that um, nothing reusable, there's nothing reusable on the market. You know, no one's gonna keep buying lids over and over and over and over again. Um, it's not practical. practical. Um, there's nothing convenient so this you could wear on your wrist, you could wear it in your hair. It's one size fits all, so you don't have to carry different size lids with you. Um, and then what the most important thing, honestly, was is that it's marketable. Um, it's not just a lid, right? It's hard to just market a lid as like a B2C product, like, oh, come buy this lid. You'd have to really like scare people into using it. Um, and that's not how we do our marketing. Our, you know, a, we, we sell a scrunchie. It's fun. It's like this fun, cool thing to use, even though it's for a really serious issue. Um, and so we've been able to, you know, create a brand that is like this fun, hip thing to use for college students. Um, and those three things really are what made it stand out to me. If I remember correctly, you were planning on going to grad school or getting your MBA? You cut out. Sorry, say it again. Oh, I'm sorry, Michael. No, I, I thought you were going to get your MBA. Were you going to go to grad school originally? Yeah, so I actually I did go to grad school. Um, I I um, was it. I started I started my MBA about three weeks after we filmed Shark Tank, um, and I you know I completed it while we were uh, you know while we were working on the company. Got it. And how uh, did Shark Tank find you? Did you apply? We just went on their website and put in our company name, email address, and <laughs> website, and that was that. <laughs> Okay, so you you actively applied. Um, yeah. Tell us what the first day was like after you aired. What happened to sales? How did it change the company? We okay. Well, I mean, in the first like four hours after airing, we like tripled our lifetime sales. Like, it was like <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, the day after, you're just flooded with a monsoon of emails of you know people just saying congrats or this is an amazing product or they want to buy in bulk or you know just I mean a whole bunch of I think I had like 5,000 emails I had to go yeah. through it was it took it took like two weeks just to get through all the emails um, but I think it was actually Super Bowl Sunday the next day so I was sitting at the in the kitchen just like while I had the Super Bowl in the background I was just pounding through them <laughs> Yeah. So massive sales right afterwards. Um, and from, you know, so we're obviously, you know, a year over a year past, uh, you know, you airing now, what's happened since, how does the company look different than it did when you were on the air? So there's a bunch of different things. Um, first of all, we've added some new products. Um, and you want to go over those? Yeah, so we have a couple new products um, that we that we came out with after Shark Tank. Um, the first being the keychain, 
Um, this is a product for more like for unisex. Um, so it's instead of a scrunchie, we remove the scrunchie and it's now you can keep it on a little baggie on your keys. So it just comes out like that and it'll cover over your drink um, just as a scrunchie would, but you know, not all women wear scrunchies. Uh, um, and we wanted to provide an option, especially for universities that want to provide uh, a safety option for everyone and they buy in bulk and um, they wanted something that they could give out to men as well. So we came out with that. Um, and then the next thing we came out with is uh, we, we sign on to be the exclusive distributor in the US of this product called Stop Tops. The drink spiking prevention sticker, basically. Yeah. And yeah, so all you do is just, it's, they come on these rolls here. I can't even do it facing the camera, but they come they come as these little stickers and you just peel them off and you stick them right on the cup and you pop a straw through them. And so that's a disposable option. Um, and we're working mostly to sell those to bars, clubs, and venues. Uh, we find that the, the nightcap is a better B2C product and universities love them. Uh, but we, we think that the, we find that the, the disposable cheaper product uh, price point product works better for like bars and clubs and stuff that serve just like thousands of drinks and need to um, slap something on it at a, at a cheaper price point. Yeah. And then we obviously didn't invent the straw, but we came out with like a different version, like just to add to our product line, because a lot of bars like won't have straws. And in order to use a nightcap, you do need a straw. So we added these to our website. They're just um, keychain straws. So it makes it convenient. It pops off right there. You have your metal straw. Um, it makes it convenient. So you have your keychain, your nightcap keychain and your nightcap keychain straw together in all in one. And then last but not least, we came out with our little gift box which has like all of our products inside um and it just makes it very convenient for everyone to have everything they need in this little box and it's super small and convenient. <laughs> that's great packaging yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I got a couple questions about if we could wind the clock back to maybe some of the early days i know there's always iterations the first product isn't the final product i'm just wondering how many different versions of the product you went through uh, before you arrived at the first perfect product. And tell us a little bit about the manufacturing process. You started maybe with one seamstress, but where did it go and where did uh, where did manufacturing evolve to currently? Um, I think it was like five or six different prototype versions. Um, we had the seamstress do like the first, it was either four or five. And like she would give us, she would give it to us and then we'd be like, okay, like we need to fix this, this and this. And then she'd fix that and then she'd give it to us and be like, okay, like we need to fix this, this, and this. For example, the, the things that we were debating when we first, like when we were like nitpicking what was wrong with it, I think it was really just like where the pocket was on the scrunchie and like the, the string that we, attaches from the nightcap to the scrunchie. It was like, it was very minor changes. Well, but yeah, we tried it. We were deciding, should we use Velcro? Like should the, should the, cover go inside of the scrunchie and it like opens up with like a zipper or velcro or should it be um and we actually didn't even have this idea the the, the seamstress just made a version where it had like a pocket on the outside which we didn't even think about and we we're like huh maybe you know, maybe this is actually better um and so we just after like testing them out we decided that it was actually a lot better to have it on that pocket on the outside um and then we felt it was good enough to take to um, a product development company uh, that really just helped us like find the right material for it and like map it out so that it could be mass manufactured. 
um, and just made it look, you know, better and made it look like what the product is today. Um, and then so once we had the actual prototype, we took it to a factory in Dallas and we did our first order with them. Um, and, you know, we wanted to make it in the US, but, you know, our, our goal with this product is to sell it in bulk to universities and sororities and different organizations. And it has to be at a cheaper price point um, to be able to get them to buy in bulk and, and yeah. making it in the US just was not feasible. Like I think it cost four, $4 and 40 cents a unit when we were making it in the US to make each one and like, you know, that's a close to the price that we're selling at in bulk. So it's just not possible. Um, and so once we moved on to our second order, we took it over to uh, overseas to make to, to mass produce them. Gotcha. And are you name dropping on these now? Are you putting university uh, names and logos on them now? Uh, yeah, we do. We work with over 75 universities. Um, some of them do logos, some of them don't. We actually just got our first uh, like official license uh, with uh, the collegiate licensing board. We got um, LSU was our first like official one, um, but we've done different different styles and stuff. We work with uh, liquor brands. We just did a nice deal with Bacardi um, and we've worked with Grey Goose and Four Roses Bourbon. We, we, we've, we I mean, we've customized a ton of them with different different types of things. And what it, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I just curious what you learned in the process of you'd never manufactured a product before, correct? No. <laughs> so you, you, this was <laughs> a brave new world. Uh, did you feel out of control of the process? What did you learn by going through that and, and those iterations? Well, personally, I feel like I learned a lot just because I was, I mean, I still am extremely young, but um, I felt like Michael dealt with a lot of like the manufacturing and stuff just because I was 16 and I, I, I mean, I barely have a high school diploma at that point. So honestly, like if you could take away anything from that, just think like um, it's not really lack of education, it's just lack of experience. And like, you just kind of have to like do trial and error to, um, to actually understand and grow because you're not, I mean, you're, you're not supposed to know everything. Um, what do you learn from that? Well, I mean, at first it's like, it's really just a struggle and a grind to like figure out how to do the next step. Like you might know what it is, but trying to find like the right contact or like, I don't know, just figuring out where to go with something is very challenging. Like, you know, with our new product, it took us like, we're like, oh, okay, we're going to do this. And like, we got it done like that because we already knew every single thing to do. Um, right. And But all those little micro decisions back then may have seemed like a big decision to you. Oh yeah. Every little thing was like a big deal, especially when you have, you know, you're starting off with basically no money. So if you mess up something like that's going to cost, you know, it's like a, yeah. you mess up something small and it's like 20% of the money you have. So it's, it's like, you have to be very careful and diligent with what, you know, every decision you, that you make at first. I'm also curious. Uh, sometimes family and friends are supportive. Uh, sometimes they're not when people venture out, take a risk with a little bit of money in their time and, an entrepreneurial venture. How were your close friends uh, and family advising you? Were they supportive? Were there some people saying, oh, this is not a good idea? I So I think um, most family and friends were supportive. Um, and, you know, the, the thing is though, like they can say 
it's, it's not also it's just like not necessarily like they can say anything like they're just going to be like oh yeah that's a good idea even though they think it's like really dumb um and i know there was like people at the beginning that told me like oh that's so smart but they actually thought it was like really stupid i mean it's you know it's kind of like it was kind of like an outrageous idea when we started yeah. it's very like unique and polarizing and no like i don't know there's like everyone had an opinion on it but you know they're not going to say it to your face there's also like the people who don't think that drink spiking is a problem so they kind of were like why would you need that like no one's going to mess with me um but i think our, our family was ex like very supportive in the beginning especially like we don't come from like parents that are that were entrepreneurs so it was like pretty cool for us to like do this um and I mean, my friends were pretty supportive. I do remember exactly who hated the product though, because you, you're always gonna remember that. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely haters, but. Oh, I, 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 still, I still have a mental list of everyone that uh, was against some of the things I've done, especially at a young age entrepreneurial. And I, I you know, you could either, you know, that can either be negative energy or positive, but it's always kind of fueled me to prove them wrong. And I, I think that's a really good thing, so. They always ask how you're doing. <laughs> yep, yep. Who, who buys the product? I mean, is it students? Is it parents? Is it schools? Like, what's the breakdown of who's actually purchasing this product right now? Um, it's definitely mostly students and parents of students. Uh, most of it goes through Amazon. And then um, we, you get a lot of grandparents, too, especially something about... With Shark Tank specifically, you had like an absolutely insane amount of grandparents purchasing it. Um, and uh, but the, and then in terms of bulk orders, it, the universities uh, are really, really big for us. Um, and we also deal with a lot of universities in the UK. There's a lot of different organizations in the UK that purchase it. Uh, also, like police departments, uh, city councils like that. Like sometimes like like we get an email from something i would never expect to buy buy them and i'm like oh oh you want them or like really <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh, but yeah students and parents are, are the number number one uh, thing for us we had a police department in the uk go and hand them out um and they actually aired it on they aired on bbc uh crime watch bbc they were just handing they were just handing them out um, in the middle of the street yeah just, yeah I'm curious how universities have responded to this because I get it where it's like, yeah, we want to, you know, curb this issue, but I could also see them going, well, we don't want to acknowledge that this is, is an issue and you sure as hell aren't going to put our logo on this because we know that, you know, it's underage drinking. So I'm just curious, like, what, what is the range of feedback and things you're hearing from universities? Um, so one thing that we try and you know get the point across is that this product doesn't promote drinking; it promotes safety. Um, anyone you know that's buying this product is not going to drink because of this product. Like they're already going to be drinking, and this like if they're drinking, then you know it'd be nice for them to have this uh, to help. Um, when incidents like this happen on college campuses, like the word gets out, it becomes news and um, you know, people are going to know that this happens on their campus, regardless of whether they're buying this product or not. So it's a much better look for them to provide their students with a method of protection rather than do absolutely nothing about it and let it happen and, you know, create more news stories of, of this happening on and around their campus. Right. Um, and we've had, we've had really, really positive reaction from 
uh, colleges. And, and it's not only the colleges, it's, a lot of the times it's the students purchasing them. So the student government um, is usually the biggest uh, purchaser of them. So, you know, this, that's the students deciding that they need to protect their student body. And so they put that bill through student government and it passes and um, and they place the order with us. But yeah, no, the, the administration does as well sometimes. And, um, but uh, every, every single college you've worked with, we've had great feedback about it as well, so. Uh, what can you share with um, the deal? Did it go through? Did it not go through with Lori? Yeah, it went through. Our deal went through. We, we did a deal for, um, we did, she has 25% of the company uh, for $60,000. And um, we actually took on another investor a couple months later. Her name's Julia Michaels. She's a singer. Um, so yeah, it's the four of us now. That's great. Yeah. Um, so exactly like we saw on TV and, and has she been helpful for you in, in scaling the business? Yeah, she's definitely been like a really good mentor. Like, I feel like I've learned a lot from her. Um, super nice lady as well. <laughs> um, yeah, she helped us with like our packaging, our website, our branding. Um, she like, honestly really taught me like how important it is about branding like how um you know like when like the importance of when you see something at first glance and like it it should be it should pop right like right to um right in your face instead of you know like just looking over something quickly um but I feel like she she really helped us understand that and that's why we actually redid our branding this year and took that to a whole different level um, and we're actually doing really well on social media because of that. So, yeah, where, where do sales come from? I mean, obviously if you're going directly to the universities, but in terms of just your traditional consumer going to, on to Amazon and buying the product, how are they finding out about you? What's working well from a marketing standpoint? Sometimes that can be a mystery, but most <laughs> of the time it's, uh, TikTok <laughs> and Instagram reels. We do really, really well with uh, short, uh, quick videos, um, just the, the product being used or, you know, influencers talking about the product. That's, we don't do paid ads. We don't do Facebook ads. We don't do any cost per click. We don't do it. it we tried it. It doesn't work for us. Um, and so we have, we have a pretty non-traditional marketing method. Uh, it's also like the product, when you see it in a video, you're like, whoa, what was that? And then you're like, well, how didn't I think of that? Yeah. But it's just something that catches your eye really quickly. And then they have to go back, watch it again. They have to send it to their friends. And then obviously like the algorithm, it keeps showing it to them because they're interacting with it. So it, it does um, sell itself. Yeah, I think, I think that, that's the, probably the biggest thing I've learned about this product is that with those, you know, TikTok and Instagram reels, it's feeding your, when, when people engage with it, it's a eye popping product. It's feeding into the algorithm and more and more and more and more people are seeing it. But with cost per click, when you interact with it, it's charging you money. And so people are interacting with it that don't always have purchase intent. And in fact, they almost never have purchase intent when it comes to Facebook ads. Um, and so they have an opposite effect where like you put the exact same thing on Facebook and the exact same thing on TikTok and the Facebook one is going to just steal, take all your money and the TikTok one is going to get you millions and millions and millions of views that will translate the sales. Yeah, that's probably a huge benefit for you is to, to display what the product is and how it works 
you're probably like three seconds max. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge, you know, there's no, oh, we need 60 seconds to explain who we are and what we do. I mean, it's just a red over the red solo cup and, oh, I got it. That's great. Yeah. They're like 10 second videos. We film on our phone. I mean, our, our, our biggest video has uh, 44 million views and what it takes uh, wow. 20 seconds to make that, that it video. Took me, it took me less than 20 seconds. <laughs> All it is, is me putting, you know, the, the scrunchie over the drink. Um, it has 44 million views on Nightcap's TikTok. It has 30 million views on my TikTok. Other people have reposted it. And, you know, I even sampled it with a different song because we thought it was the song that was maybe catching the attention. I used the exact same video, posted it on my page with a different song. Like, I think it has 25 million view- views. And I, like, I don't know. I didn't even have any followers. Just... <laughs> It catches your eye so fast. I don't even, I think it might be the lighting. Something with that video, it's like. It's like the perfect combination of lighting and speed. I don't, I don't, I don't, because we'll post something extremely similar and it'll do nothing. So it's really, (laughs) but we we could post this video like once a day and it'll get like a few million views. This is the, uh, this is the mystery of digital marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we've, we've used it for other things. So I'm sure in total, it has over 150 million views. You know? oh, I'd say more. more. I, think, more. <laughs> probably I more. think it's probably well over 300 million. And it's probably a seven second video. So. <laughs> what are, what are some of the big mistakes or regrets or blunders that you guys think looking back, you've made to this point, anything that you're like, I'd like to have that one over. Oh, this was a, this was a painful lesson for us. You haven't been perfect. There's got to be something. No, definitely. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not perfect, but the whole like ride has been like just trial and error. So it's just like it's mostly little things. I think uh, the one thing uh, that I would, wish we would have done sooner was read. Oh, two things actually. Re- we, I wish we would have started and invested in our branding in the very beginning mm-hmm. um, instead of like read changing it now. Um, that that would be one thing because I, I didn't really see the value in it at first. And I mean, you know, we, it, we didn't really have the money to, to create this in the beginning anyway. So, I mean, it maybe it worked out, but, um, and then the other thing is just get on Amazon faster. Like when we got on Amazon prime, I had no idea that like the, the amount of sales that come from Amazon, like people apparently just will not buy from your website. Like <laughs> the people there, are, there's like 80% of people, like if they don't see it on Amazon, they're not buying it. And our sales, like, I don't know, I don't even know, they tripled, quadrupled, whatever, when we just put it on Prime. It was insane. Um, we do like 10 to 1 Amazon to website sales most, most months. So, yeah. My, my credit card's not stored on your website, but it's stored on Amazon, right? I mean, it's just, a, it's it's a laziness factor, but it makes sense. We all buy, you know, you, you probably get frustrated that more people don't buy off your website, but then how often are you buying off people's website when you can go on Amazon? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true. And, and I mean, the thing is, like, we didn't have Amazon when we pitched um, in the Shark Tank. So, oh, wow. I mean, what, what would our sales would have been back then? If maybe it would have been quadrupled. Like, I don't like, I don't know. We might have got a much higher valuation if, if we just had that up. Um, and I think it's even higher with ours because we don't do the Facebook cost per click stuff. Because usually when you're doing that, you're leading people directly to your website. Um, and usually just people see it on TikTok and then they go on Amazon, they search like, drink spiking prevention scrunchie or nightcap scrunchie or whatever 
Um, and so there's no nothing really leading people directly to our website as opposed to what a lot of other companies might do. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, our sales would have for sure been higher. I don't know what it would have been, but, but you know. How, how bad have knockoffs been? Are you guys uh, seeing some of those pop up or have you been fortunate so far? Uh, uh, some of those more like a bring, lot of those. You're going to give me trauma. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, hundreds, hundreds. We've taken down over 300 uh, knockoff listings. Um, I mean, uh, Alibaba and AliExpress are just like ridiculous. Um, we, we, the, the important thing is that we've managed to completely control Amazon US and that's where most of our sales come from. So like, if you go on there, like you're not going to find anything. Um, we don't have a patent in the UK. And so like, if you go, if you search it on the UK, you're going to see 30 other of the same products. So that we're really just like competing off of brand awareness. Um, and you know, they're there, it's literally just people buying it from AliExpress and listing it there. So that, you know, we have trademarks and we have copyright, but um, outside of the US, we just have the US patent. So it, it's definitely, um, it causes me a lot of trauma. <laughs> we, we actually had like two, so we had, we had two major like retailers put up a, um, what is it called, a copycat? Uh, just, yeah, knockoff. A knockoff um, up on their website. And I ended up going on my TikTok <laughs> and making a TikTok about it saying, Hey, this is me in this brand's clothing <laughs> this weekend, and this is them putting up my product on their website, um, and that got like two million views. And <laughs> um, and then they took it down. People, people were after them. They were they were very mad. They they post their their the video the the video that they posted on their account <laughs> around the same time she posted it had like ten thousand views, but it had like. A thousand comments of just like people being like, like, what are you? Like, it was saying like, you're gonna get sued. It was like, Miss Shira will see you in court. It was the funniest stuff ever. But I mean, it is wrong. It's not right. They 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 could do a quick Google search and see that it's illegal to do that. But um, yeah. So. What what's your vision for the company? Is this something you see yourselves doing for a long time? Do you want to sell the company and go do something else? What what do you see the future looking like over the next few years? Well, I, so, I mean, I think we both see a lot of value and just, you know, we just enjoy doing it and like not having a boss, you know, you can pretty much do whatever you want as long as you're, you know, doing your job and doing it right. Um, so I don't like, we don't have any like plans to sell it or anything, you know, if the right offer came around, maybe, um, but we definitely value our day-to-day -day work in this. Um, and then in terms of like where we see the company, we are working really hard to get this into music festivals and music venues around the country. Um, we're really pushing to get these stop tops uh, available at like EDM festivals and stuff like that because it's a, it's a huge problem there. Um, and then, you know, just continuing to grow our presence with universities and um, getting them to, you know, provide them to, to students. We've, we've worked with over 75 now and we, we want them Every, we want to get every university on board and, and ordering them every semester for their new students. Yeah. Does this, from a liability standpoint, do the music festivals, do the universities, do they feel like if they make this readily available to their attendees or to their students that it potentially can remove some liability from them? 
Um, what do they tell you? Hey, I want to order, uh, you know, 5,000 of these things. What, what are they telling you that they're, what's the problem they're trying to solve? I'm not sure it's a liability thing because, you know, unless it's like, so, I mean, the one time where it really could be liable on them is that uh, sometimes bartenders are the ones uh, mm -hmm. drugging people. Um, and so in that case, they could be liable. But usually, you know, I mean, what the bar is not in control of someone walking into their bar and, and, um, and, you know, and drugging people, it's it, unless, unless there's something they can actually do about it. Now, this is something, um, this is an amazing option to, to help. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's not like the bar is, is, like if the bar if the bar is doing something like that then they would be live but it, in, in most cases it's i mean i feel like i think when like someone from a music festival when we're talking to someone like that it's like you're you're hosting people you're you're putting all this energy into want people just want to have a good time and then you know they have a whole setup like they have med tents and like that's just not fun like they obviously just want to like protect everyone who's there and make it so everyone has a good time people come back like they don't want these you know social media you post someone posts one video about them getting drugs it can go viral nowadays so it's like you just want everyone to be happy at your events and like stop tops the sticker that we talked about is something that um is very like interesting to music festivals and everything and nightcap is something that would be sold more as like a merch at a concert so you have like you know, um, the artist's name on the nightcap and for the stop tops, it's a little different, but um, you have like two different options. And yeah, I think it's just all for the, the customer and have, letting them have the time that they deserve. Yeah, I've never heard of a venue being like sued over something like this. Um, but, you know, the most important thing for them is that customers feel safe when they're there. So and, you know, there's in Boston right now, there's a huge drink spiking crisis. And there's like a huge list of bars where this has been going on. Um, and people are avoiding those bars. And, you know, how are you going to get those customers back by you know, providing an option to to cover cover your drink with? Um, and so venues are going to get a lot of value out of customers feeling safe, even if it's not a liability on them. Two-part question, are you both full-time in this business and what's the working dynamic and division of responsibilities between the two of you? So yes, we are both full-time. I took a break from college because I didn't want to half ask my job. Um, <laughs> but um, You didn't want Michael to run it in the ground while you were off at school, so <laughs> you to keep an eye on him. I couldn't let him tear it up here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're both full time. And the way I like to explain our day to day is like, I bring in the sales and he closes the deal. So I, <laughs> I go out and I make the content. I post it on social media. I reach out to influencers. Um, and Shira does the fun stuff. I do the boring stuff. Exactly. So Michael does like the customer service deals with the manufacturing. Um, sales, all that fun numbers and good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for you. Are you, uh, obviously you're loving being entrepreneurs and you're good at it and you're learning so much. Are you unemployable uh, at this point? Could you ever imagine working for someone else? <laughs> no, I'm scared. I think about it sometimes. <laughs> Honestly, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, I think I would adapt. I just, it's just the... 
it would have to be a very good boss that's all I, yeah there's a very high like i i would rather make less and work for myself than make more and work for someone else just because i feel like there's such a huge value in just being able to do what you want when you want and you know you're you're the one who decides if your work is good like yeah. <laughs> you're like this there's no one to, to to tell you what to do or to... So the the control factor the freedom the creativity you become addicted to those things yeah. yeah and it's really nice to be able to like have a vision and build up to your vision and create you know your idea when you're working for someone else you're usually building their vision yeah. um and so there's just like something satisfying about like i wanted to do this or we want to go here and do it this way and then working to meet that exact thing yeah it's also nice like for me at least i get to like just taking pictures and videos is something that like i created like it's just weird to think about but for me it's just like a very cool it's just cool for me i don't know <laughs> it's just kind of cool <laughs> uh final final question where is the best place for people to buy your products and tell me a little bit more about what's included in that box if they went to your website and bought the the kit with everything in it what's all in there all right so this originally started as a pr box that we could send to influencers you can find us at nightcap it on instagram and tiktok it's right here on the box um so you open this beautiful little box and inside is we have a nightcap shot glass. Um, we have two nightcap keychains. Here's the shot glass. It's got a little yeah. T on it. It's got our logo. Um, you have your keychain straw. Um, so you have nightcap stickers. So I don't know if I said two nightcap keychains, two nightcap scrunchies, a shot glass, a straw, and stickers. <laughs> And that is not available on Amazon. So for anyone who is uh, not willing to go to our website, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, nightcap.com. Um, you can find the nightcap scrunchie and the nightcap keychain on Amazon, Amazon EU, Amazon UK, Amazon Canada, wherever you are, it's probably there. Um, and uh, for bulk orders is also on our website. There's a uh, bulk page where you just fill out a form with your information and that's how we do our bulk orders. Yeah. Great, well, this was awesome. So appreciate your time and, and sharing all these things with us. Uh, some great lessons for the entrepreneurs listening to this. And uh, I think there's a very bright future here. There's just, you know, it's you, you've already accomplished a lot, but at the same time, I think you've only scratched the surface on, you know, the various places you can distribute this. So congratulations and we appreciate your time and look forward to watching you continue on this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, we love the nightcap story. Thank awesome. you so much. Yeah, thank you so thank much. You. Appreciate it and thanks for having us on. All right, we're back. And as always, some great lessons from the entrepreneurs. Um, you know, first of all, I thought it was great that they were extending their product line and they were doing it naturally. They were boxing everything up, kind of a higher ticket item. You know, if somebody's going to come on your website and they love what you do, yeah, it's great to have that $10, $20 option, but give them the $50 option, give them the $100 option. Um, and it could be a subscription model. It could just be more stuff. But if you love a brand, you know, you're more willing to buy 
buy other stuff. Yes, I could buy shampoo from different places, but if I'm already on Harry's website and I like their uh, razors, well, heck, I'll put the shampoo in there and oh, get the soap. And next thing you know, you spent five times as much, but you're happy because it's quality stuff and it makes it easy to do it all in one place. So if you can extend your brand with complimentary stuff, you know, you don't want to create SKUs to create SKUs, but if it makes sense and it's high quality stuff and it fits your brand, it's certainly with, worth considering. Um, they had not gone down the paid digital ad route, but instead relied on influencers and organic stuff. Obviously they're big on social media. So, you know, not every thing is, hey, we need to spend a bunch of money on Facebook ads and, you know, build our brand that way. Uh, for products like this and many products, influencers uh, can just be such a tremendous ROI. And of course, creating that organic stuff by producing your own content. Um, they wish they had rebranded earlier. And I, and I think that's true of a lot of companies. You know, your original brand doesn't have to be your brand forever. Maybe you keep the logo, but you change the name or you keep the colors, but you change the name. Or I mean, you can mix and match different stuff or you can just throw a stick of dynamite at it. But, you know, not not we're not all branding experts. And so we create something and we're like, don't love that. Well, then change it. Buy a new domain, shift it. Yeah, there'll be some growing pains. It won't be easy. But if you can create a better brand, then create a better brand. Um, and, uh, you know, they said getting it on Amazon sooner if, if they could. Think about how you buy products, right? I mean, you hear about a product and what do you do? You go look at it on Amazon. And if it's not on Amazon, typically if there's knockoffs, they do appear and you may buy one of those. So I know in a perfect world, everybody goes to your website, they buy directly from you, your cost of acquisition is zero, your margins are way higher. I get that. And in a perfect world, that would happen. Unfortunately, there's some people that only buy on Amazon or end up on Amazon and buy your competitor knockoff by accident or on purpose because they don't want to leave Amazon. So I, I think for a lot of the brands we talk to, it's better to just bite the bullet, be on Amazon, price it so that you can make money. Maybe it's cheaper on your website. Maybe it's free shipping on your website or there's some other perk to go on your website. Um, but just accept the fact that you're probably going to have to be on Amazon, figure out a way to make it work. So Great entrepreneurs, great story. Can't wait to see where they go. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week on an all new episode of Outside the Tank.